the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello again, funky listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your other host, Peter. Guess what, Peter? It's what? summertime. Yay. Yay. It's been summer for a while now, and at least here on the West Coast, a.k.a. the West Coast, shut up. It has been ridiculously hot on and off for probably yeah. the past almost two and a half weeks now. Yeah. I guess this next week is going to get up into the 90s again. Ugh. It was nice that it, was, it got a little bit cooler at the end of last week, but... Oh, yeah, I was like, it got down to, like, high, high high 70s, low 80s is, like, perfect to me. Yeah. Anything above or below that is just, like, ugh. <laughs> I'm sure people in, like, Minneapolis or whatever are just, like, shaking their fists at us. <laughs> they house the snows all the time. And the humidity. Yes, that too. Well, since it is summer, we thought it would be a good time to talk about some songs that reflect on the summeriness of summer for lack of any other word. <laughs> Our listeners can probably uh, figure out what that means, though. Yeah. I think summer has a lot of meaning for a lot of people. Yeah, for a lot of people, summer is definitely a time where they can explore the world in all its glory. And, and really, explore themselves as well. And really, they can fertilize the garden of their minds. That's true. Who said that? That was um, Mr. Rogers that had that little line, or was that... Yeah, the garden of your mind. We, I think we need to play that remix of that Mr. Rogers like voiceover thing that we found at some point. I don't know how it would relate to anything unless we just review that guy's album for no reason. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we have to do that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we actually got a good a good list of songs here. And it's probably going to be a long episode, so I guess we should probably start it off. Yeah, we have 11 songs, I think, so... Oh boy. That's more than usual. All amps go to 11. <laughs> we hope that with all these summer songs, if you're building a summer playlist of sorts for this summer, maybe you can add some of these in. We'll see. Yeah, you know, it's, this is these are the kind of songs that you like go driving with the top down on PCH too. That's true. So the first song that I think we want to start out with, probably one of the most notorious summer songs, is the song "Summer in the City" by Love and Spoonful. I don't actually think we've talked about Love and Spoonful yet on this little podcast we do. I don't think so. Um, because they're kind of leaning toward more towards the rock spectrum, but they got some they got some groovy stuff because they were kind of like that quintessential late '60s, '70, early '70s band. Mm-hmm. They also had that song, uh, "Do You Believe in Magic?" Yeah. I don't know the rest of the song, and neither do you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this "Summer in the City" probably easily their most famous song. Maybe "Do You Believe in Magic?" They're probably about equal, anyways. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, Love and Spoonful is an American rock band from the late 1960s, and they actually just got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the turn of this last century in 2000. Cool. Which seems really long ago. I feel old. <laughs> it's funny, the band leader and singer John Sebastian said it was, that the band sounded like a combination of Mississippi John Hurt and Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. So they kind of got that sort of R&B... Plus blue- rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. Which actually prompted his friend, Fritz Richmond, to suggest the name Love and Spoonful from a line in one of John Hurt's uh, songs, Coffee Blues. Mm. So you guys should check that song out as well. A love and spoonful of sugar in your coffee. Yes. It's the coffee blues. I made that up. I don't know if that's part of the actual song. I think I think I have the coffee blues because with work and all, I've gotten like so coffee dependent. <laughs> I seriously have like three to four cups a day. Well. Yeah. 
whatever keeps you going. True, just in the morning. There are worse things to be addicted to. This is true. (laughs) With work and all, I just got totally addicted to heroin, you know. (laughs) So yeah, Summer in the City actually appeared on their album Hums of the Eleven Spoonful and reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in August 1966 for three consecutive weeks, probably during the summer. Because that's when August is. (laughs) It's the end of summer. Yeah, August is always always was always a depressing month for me because it is the end of summer and usually you have to go back to school. Yeah, uh, yeah. This particular song actually features a series of car horns during the instrumental bridge, starting with a Volkswagen Beetle horn, which is a very iconic car, very summery. Fun fact about the Volkswagen Beetle, which kind of relates to this, but not really anyways. <laughs> Beetles in the 60s and early 70s, the reason they became so quintessentially, uh, what's the word, identified with like that sort of Southern California culture uh-huh. is because they weren't equipped with heaters. So, basically, like, people couldn't really get them in colder states like the Midwest because when it's cold, you need a car with a heater. Hmm. So, they kind of became, like, a Southern California stable because they were cheap, got good gas mileage for the time, and you didn't really, you don't really need heaters that much in Southern California, if ever, in your car. So, they kind of became part of that sort of surfer, sort of warm lifestyle, I suppose. That's cool. So, And the van as well. Yes, of course, the uh, microbus. Yeah. <laughs> they, the, they okay. They totally were gonna bring those back, and I even saw a concept of one of them. Oh, really? They were gonna make like I don't know if they were gonna make it like semi-electric or whatever, but I totally saw a concept that they one of those Detroit or Geneva auto shows of a new microbus, cool. and nothing has become of it, and I'm really sad. Uh, how long ago was that? Couple years. Like two years ago. Oh. Uh, okay. Anyways, um, back to non-car stuff. The song, all these sounds that you hear, like car horns and jackhammers and stuff, kind of give the impression of the sounds of being in the city in the summer because of that sort of ambient nature of, you know, there's construction during the summer because they can't construct things during the winter because it's cold, people don't want to be outside, <laughs> and a lot, of more, a lot more traffic because people are going places. Yeah. This particular song is actually ranked number 401 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. It's pretty far down. It's kind of bad. I mean, it's for, too bad. That's too bad. Five hundred songs out of the entire songs that are well, yeah. I mean, in that sense, it's good. In the history of like America and really the world in the last hundred years, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like number five. No, no, of course not. I'm sure there's many, many better songs, but it's still a very good song. It's four hundred better songs. It's shocked. <laughs> it's one of those songs that you totally know the song, but very few people know the artist because they, I wouldn't say they were a one-hit wonder, but they didn't have a ton of hits. Yeah. So speaking of hearing the song, let's actually play a little clip of it so you guys can feel like you're in summer of the city. People looking half dead walking on the sidewalk harder than a match But at night it's a different world. Go out and find a girl. Come on, come on and dance all night. The heat, it'll be alright And babe, don't you know it's a pity The days can't be like the nights In the summer, in the city In the summer, in the city This is a song that, until a little while ago I didn't know who the artist was But I was familiar with the song So, really? one of those songs, I guess Yeah, I think a lot of people probably would recognize this one Because you were saying earlier This is probably one of the more famous ones Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think any of the songs We have on our list today are really not famous or I mean, for people that are familiar with anything we talk about I, mean, if, yeah. I assume if they're listening to us they have some familiarity with the music genre yeah so, some of the ones we're going to talk about definitely aren't as well known but this one is yeah okay so yeah um that was summer in the city by love and spoonful a lot of good stuff there um i i don't know where, how i discovered this band but i oh because the song 
because the song was played on a Simpsons episode, I was like, oh, that's catchy. What is the song? Uh, and uh, I looked it up, and it was them. So that's cool. The Simpsons introduced me to music since 1992. <laughs> so in the next the next song that we want to talk about is actually a cover of Summer in the City. This one's by Quincy Jones. And uh, if you don't recognize the name Quincy Jones, you should definitely look him up. Uh, he's a music legend. He's nothing less than that. And he's an American uh, record producer and composer. He's been doing music for over six decades. And he's been nominated for a record 79 Grammy Awards. And he's won 27 of them, and that's really freaking impressive. Yeah, didn't we say we were going to do like a like a mini episode on him just because... We really Which, should. We really should do an episode we, um, on him and his career. Because yeah, he just got inducted. In fact, I watched the Hall of Fame this year when he was inducted in, and just the number of accomplishments he had is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, we could easily dedicate a whole episode to him. It's cool. But today, we're just gonna mention uh, this one song that he did cover, and uh, so he covered "Summer in the City" in 1973. This was seven years after the initial release by Love and Spoonful. This one's definitely a little bit more toned down. It's kind of a chill out song. I can imagine like listening to this just chilling on like a summer evening in the city, just looking down at all the people as the sun's going down. So Quincy Jones is Batman. Yes. <laughs> because he's staring down on the city, sworn to protect it. I think we had completely different images when I was just <laughs> <laughs> I don't you, don't, you don't see Quincy Jones as Batman? He's the Batman of music. He's the Batman. <laughs> Yeah, and his uh, sidekick is Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, God. I think we need to make this comic. <laughs> That'd be cool. Something I didn't know until I was researching it earlier today, it's mostly instrumental, but at, at the end, there's some vocals by a female singer, and I didn't know that this was Valerie Simpson, who is um, from the famous Reading performing duo Ashford and Simpson. Really? So that was kind of cool. I didn't know it was her. That is pretty cool. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip of Summer in the City by Quincy Jones, and uh, you can really tell the difference in sound between this one and the Eleven Spoonful version. Yeah, you can definitely hear a bit of a difference between the two. Quincy Jones, obviously, first and foremost, has a very jazz influence. Yeah. You can kind of hear that a bit of the song, as opposed to, say, the Love and Spoonful version, which is more folksy rock-oriented. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think the, I think the two stand, stand well alone as uh, mm-hmm. examples of good summer music. I mean, I would argue that the Quincy Jones version sounds more summery. Yeah, yeah. This Love and Spoonful one, it's got the... It's got the the sounds and stuff and that sort of like upbeat quick tone mm-hmm. but uh the quincy jones thing i guess embodies the feeling of somewhere a bit more i would agree yeah partly uh, too because i think what a lot of people associate with summer is if things kind of slow down a little bit even if you're working during the summer there's still a certain mentality of summer where things kind of slow down a little bit and you're able to enjoy, you know, just go a day at the beach or something rather than worrying about exams or worrying about other school type stuff. You can kind of just relax a little bit. That's where I think the Quincy Jones version matches that feeling a little bit more. Definitely, definitely agree. Cool. Speaking of slowing down, the next song <laughs> we got coming up is uh, Hot Fun in the Summertime by Sly and the Family Stone. Regarding Sly and the Family Stone, with the success of the album that this is off of, uh, Stand, that they've released in 1969, it actually secured the band a spot with uh, probably 
in arguably the most famous concert ever, uh, Woodstock. So they were actually one of the head, uh, bands at Woodstock, and the band performed their set during the early morning hours of uh, August 17th, which I think was the second day. Mm-hmm. And their performance was actually said to be one of the best shows of the festival. So that really kind of like put them on the national stage, I suppose, because that was the biggest festival of the decade, basically. That's cool. That same month, they released the song, Hot Fun in the Summertime, obviously, because it's you know the end of summer, right. uh, August or whatever. And it actually peaked uh, at number two on the U.S. charts. It didn't peak till like October, though, which is funny because that's way after summer. Yeah. So that's kind of odd, but mm. we'll go with it. Rolling Stone actually ranked this song number 247 on the list of 500, so much better, much better than uh, than uh, the Eleven Spoonful Summer in the Sea, mm. which I would agree. I mean, I really like Sly and the Family Stone, so I'm a bit biased, but yeah. Sly and the Family Stone were actually inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame way back in 1993. It's funny because at the ceremony, the original members were in attendance except for Sly, and because they kind of had a bit of a falling out um, in the in the mid '70s, and Sly went on to produce more music with different members under the same name. Okay. So the band took to the podium to receive their awards, and then Sly just suddenly showed up. Oh, cool. He accepted his award. He said some brief remarks, like "see you soon" or something, and then he disappeared from public view, like completely, basically. Mm-hmm. So he's like the Thomas Pynchon of music. He just appears, accepts awards, and then disappears again. That's funny. And I guess in December 2001, Sly and the Family Stone were awarded, also awarded the R&B Foundation Pioneer Award, which is a pretty big deal in the R&B world. That's cool. It's like the R&B Grammys. Hmm. So yeah, they're a big band. They were definitely a huge band uh, as far as advancing civil rights because they were at the height of their popularity in the late 60s, you know, during Martin Luther King assassination, Black Panthers, right. Civil Rights Act of 68, and they were talking about things like, you know, the white man trying to keep the black man down, you know, the problems in Vietnam. So on top of being a very prominent soul figure, they were also very prominent politically, just because they talked about all these social issues at the time that were kind of taboo, especially for the R&B world. Right, so, and actually on top of that, the group itself was also a mix of races of black and white members as well as um, women and men. So that was groundbreaking for the time to have that mix. Because I think until then, it was mostly either all male or all female or all white or all black. They were one of the first to, to mix them all up like that. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, no, Sly and the Family Stone. I like them. They were probably one of my favorite bands yeah. of that sort of like late 60s era. Yeah, because they were, they were pulling the whole political stuff even before Marvin Gaye, because Marvin Gaye did his in 69. Mm. So they were pulling that stuff, like, even in 68, before Stand. Well, anyways, let's listen to a little clip of Hot Fun in the Summertime by Sly and the Family Stone, and you guys can have some hot fun. County Fair in the country sun. Not too long ago, long ago, you were saying that at some point we should do an episode about our favorite songs, mm-hmm. or like our top five or whatever. This one would definitely be within my really? top five. Yeah, I really like this song. I, as far as I guess going with Sly and the Family Stone, I would probably say either Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself, yeah. or Everyday People. Yeah, like, oh, that's a good one too. I would say probably Everyday People is my favorite one, but this one is definitely a close second or third. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have this album on vinyl. Oh, Stand? Yeah. That's cool. We could have played it, but whoops, I forgot until just now, actually. <laughs> That's okay. So what do we got up next, Mr. Peter? 
Coming up next is another song about summer. It's called Summer Love by the Blackbirds. Um, now, the Blackbirds were a band who were pretty influential during the funk-jazz fusion movement during the early 70s. This song comes from their self-titled debut album in 1974, released under Fantasy Records, which is based in San Francisco. Their most famous song actually was not this song. It, was, it came out the year later, in 1975, and it was called Walking in Rhythm. And that received a Grammy nomination and reached gold status by selling one million copies within two months of its release, which I thought was pretty impressive. Oh, that is really impressive. Yeah, so Walking on Rhythm, their most famous song. Not Summer Love, which is, which is the song we're actually talking about. Um, not a whole lot um, else I could find about this song, but I figured I would talk a little bit about the band, the Blackbirds, because I, I didn't really know much about them at all. So I can take it. So they, they kind of mix a bunch of um, funk and jazz together. And you can definitely hear that in this song, because it's kind of like the Quincy Jones song from before. This is mostly instrumental with some vocals, I think, throughout, but it's mostly instrumental. And you can get the funk jazz fusion in there, so it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Another slower song as well. Mm. I think because summer, you know, that concept of, like, lazy summer afternoons. Yeah. You can't have, like, a lot of, like, crazy upbeat stuff, because people want to relax. Right. And groove and go to the pool. So, I love to groove at the pool. I, I never groove anywhere outside of the pool. What are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, do you think we should listen to a little clip? I guess. <laughs> well, if you want to. I mean, we don't have to. We can. Okay, whatever you want. Let's listen to a clip of Summer Love by the Blackbirds. Summer Love by the Blackbirds. Next up, we have probably my favorite of all the songs on the list, and probably my favorite summer song, I guess, of that whole soul R&B genre, is uh, Summer Breeze by the Isley Brothers. Yeah. This song I find myself playing in the car all the time. Mm-hmm. Regarding the Isley Brothers, they were initially influenced by gospel and duet music of the early 60s, but the group band began experimenting with different musical styles, incorporating elements of rock and funk music, as well as sort of a pop balladry. The inclusion of younger brothers Ernie Isley, who was on lead guitar, and Marvin Isley on bass in 1973, turned the original vocal trio into a self-sustaining musical band. For the next full decade, the siblings recorded top-selling albums, including The Heat Is On and Between the Sheets. Um, In that same year, the Isleys also released 3 Plus 3, which included the top 10 hit single That Lady, and a UK top 10 cover of Summer Breeze. For those of you that don't know, this particular song was actually originally performed by Seals and Croft. I didn't know that. This is definitely one of those songs uh, that we would fit into that category of the cover being more famous. The cover being more, much more popular than the original, exactly. Yeah. But the song incorporated more hard rock and folk rock, as well as a funk and soulful balladry that they became known for. Hmm. This album, Three Plus Three, became uh, their breakthrough hit, eventually selling over two million copies. Nice. Well, yeah, I mean, if it had that lady and Summer Breeze among other songs that were on it, I can see that. Exactly. But yeah, Summer Breeze, when it's one of those songs that when it comes on, it's just like. Oh, <laughs> Especially when I'm driving, it's just, it's one of those songs you can't like flick, you can't right. flick past. You gotta listen to it. So I guess without further ado, let's listen to a little clip of it. Yeah. I like that song too. 
Yeah. Probably not as much as you, but I think you like this song a lot. I don't know why, especially the guitarness. Guitarness. <laughs> the guitar aspect of it, I just, I don't know, it gets me. Yeah. It really gets me, man. You can almost feel that summer breeze blowing through the garden of your mind. Or however the, the, the lyrics go. Yeah, really. <laughs> I can feel the summer breeze blowing through many parts of my body. You know that... <laughs> For some reason, right when you said that, that reminded me of the Frank Sinatra song, Summer Wind. Oh, okay. And if if you remember the old Simpsons episode where they get the pool. Yeah. And they become really popular. And at the yeah. end... Don't they get the pool, but like Bart breaks his arm, falling out of yeah. the pool, so he can't use it. What was that, Martin? Yeah. Is that his name? The kid? And then he gets his, he gets a better pool, and, and then it ends up breaks or something, and then he's standing there naked. And then it oh. plays that song at the oh, end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. When you said the summer breeze is blowing through your body. I think <laughs> of that. But if, you're in, if your listeners are into classic Simpsons, it's a good episode. It's about summer as well. Indeed. That was, man. I summer mean, Wind is also a good song. I really miss old Simpsons. Yeah. I was, it's funny you were mentioning The Simpsons so much. I was watching The Simpsons movie on cable today. Mm. It was pretty good. It seems like... Like, especially for, like, the last season, few seasons up until they released the movie, it's like, that's where all their creativity went with the movie. Mm. So all their episodes well, I, I appreciated that, because I, I don't really watch any, anything past the first, I don't know, six or seven seasons, maybe. Yeah. I, um, but I appreciate that with the movie, they had a lot of humor and references back to the really old stuff. Definitely. I think that's why I liked it, so it was cool. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of cool, what do we got up next, Peter? <laughs> This next song is pretty cool. It's Summer Madness by Cool and the Gang. This is yet another um, slowed down ballady type instrumental track. This comes from their ninth LP, Light of Worlds, uh, which they released in 1974. Being as such, being their ninth album, they chose to feature nine songs to represent the nine planets. Although beyond that number, I didn't really see any connection. It wasn't like the planet suite or something. Pluto's not even a planet anymore. They need to get with. I know that made me sad. So they, they have to release a new version of that album with only eight tracks on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I didn't see any other cosmic references other than just the nine, so... Yeah, that's weird. Anyway, so Summer Madness is the eighth track on the album. It's probably the most famous as well. Like, the rest of the album is also no, well-known for combining elements of funk and jazz, kind of similar to uh, groups like the Blackbirds, who we were talking about a little bit earlier. But this album was, like, a landmark for that whole musical movement. Which is pretty cool for Cool and the Gang, because I think most people know them more for kind of the funk side of things. But this album and this song also have influences from Afrobeat and also uses some uh, synthesizer, which is kind of the uh, kind of the signature bit of this song. If you want, we can listen to a clip. I don't know. I think we've listened to enough today. Thanks for listening to Funk. <laughs> Goodbye. Anyway, so let's go ahead and listen to a, a clip of Summer Madness by Cool and the Gang. And... Uh, Listen for the jazz funk fusion, but also the synthesizer as well, because that's a pretty big part of the song. You see, the jazz funk is like, is like, how does it go? Hold on. You see, the jazz funk is like, is like Crystal Cola. It'll be around forever. Close enough. I don't even remember the Shut up. I don't remember the line. (laughs) That was Summer Madness by Cool and the Gang. I would say that's definitely a bit different from all the other things that we know them for. Like, um, 
Jungle Boogie, and if a whole bunch of others, but for Cele- some reason I can't think of that. Celebration. Like, celebration, yeah. This is definitely a different sound from that. But I, I think overall they had kind of that Afrobeat slash jazz um, influence throughout their career, but I think it's definitely a lot more prevalent in this album. I agree. So, uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. Cool in the game. Are pretty yeah. good. Up next, you probably have, have a song by the coolest person in all of R&B, Summersoft by Stevie Wonder. I'm going to try and go through an entire thing about Stevie Wonder without mentioning his blindness. That is my goal. Except for that thing that you just said. Well, okay. Yeah. After this point, no more. Okay. No more blindness. So, Summersoft comes off of Stevie Wonder's 1976 album, Songs in the Key of Life, which I happen to have on my That's uh, one of his more famous albums, right? It is indeed. Probably his most famous, I would think. Um, the working title for this album was actually Let's See Life the Way It Is, and then they changed it. Recording sessions for the album took place at the record plant in Hollywood, Sausalito Music Factory uh, in Sausalito, and the Hit Factory in New York City. Um, sessions on the latter were particularly memorable as Songs in the Key of Life was the first album to actually be recorded at the Hit Factory, while Wonder became the first client of Edward Germano, the studio's owner. Wonder initially booked a three-day session with Germano and ended up working there for nine months. Wow. <laughs> As a perfectionist, he spent uh, long hours in the studio for almost every track he recorded. Uh, he, he was, quote, not eating or sleeping while everyone around him struggled to keep up. According to himself, quote, if my flow is going, I keep on until I peak. It's funny, a lot of other artists actually worked with him on this album. D- during his recording sessions, actually a total of 130 people worked on the album. Wow. Um, among the people present during the sessions were some legendary figures of R&B, soul, and jazz, including Herbie Hancock, who uh, played on the song as George Benson played electric guitar on Another Star, and Manny Riverton and Denise Williams added backing vocals to Ordinary Pain. Hmm. So, this has uh, nothing to do with the song we're talking about. But the because, album, yeah. But the album is pretty I awesome. guess with all, all of that uh, collaboration, as well as the fact, like you were saying, that he you know was so working so painstakingly on every song, that's probably why... Um, this album became so popular because it was basically perfect. Yeah, basically, exactly. That's cool. It was like the, it was basically the culmination of like his golden era, like from the early '60s till the end. That was like the culmination of like everything he learned and knew and wrote about, mm. just combined into like one album. What's that French term for like the, your best, your best? I wanted to say magnum opus. That's it. No, that's it. Magnum opus. That's Isn't French, it? though. Whatever. I don't know. Um, it's a different language. It's no, it's Latin. You're right. you're the Latin guy. Come on. Well, I didn't want to say it was Latin, but then be wrong and have it be French or something. True. I thought you were the one that took Latin. I did for like four years. You fail. So yeah, this was pretty much his magnum opus as far as like writing and performing music. Cool. A lot of people think, at least. Not a lot of info on the actual song "Summer Soft" because it was kind of just another one of the song, many songs on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's about summer and it's soft. So, <laughs> I think, I think with that in mind, I think we should listen to it a little quicker. I found the lyrics of the song kind of interesting because he talks about this woman who brings you a gentle kiss and spends time with you. Then you find it's October and she's gone. 
But then you realize what he's talking about is actually Summer. This It's kind of like your whispering, breezing companion of sorts who is with you for all these fun times. And then as the summer ends, then she kind of fades away. It kind of, it kind of takes the... Because I think sometimes with summer songs, it's kind of like the concept of your quote-unquote summer love or someone who is your lover or whatever uh, during the summertime. And then for whatever reason, you kind of separate at the end of summer, it kind of takes that concept and applies it to summer itself, um, which is kind of interesting. I can dig it. So yeah, what do we what do we got next? Let me guess, it's about summer. No, it's about winter. <laughs> no. So our next song is "Summertime" by Billy Stewart. This is probably one of if if you if you're familiar with kind of a broad sense of music and especially jazz, I think this is another one that a lot of you will know. But a little bit first about um, Billy Stewart. Uh, he was an R&B slash soul. Musician during um, most popular during the 60s, early in his life, uh, his first musical endeavors were singing with his three brothers as the Four Stewart Brothers. And cool fact is that they actually got their own weekly radio show on WUSTAM in Washington D.C. So kind of like us, they started out as a radio. They started out as singing, and they became a radio show. We didn't start out as singing, but we're not technically radio either. But maybe. If we start out with a podcast, then later in life we'll become famous R&B soul musicians. That would probably not happen. Well, it happened <laughs> with Billy Stewart anyway. But we don't have the voice that Billy Stewart does. At least I don't. When a man, when man loves a world. That's someone completely different, I think. <laughs> you just said, you just sang when a man... And so I sang When a Man Loves a Woman. Is that not the no, song? No, I know that, but I'm saying that, that we're singing that song that's someone different. And it's not even Billy Stewart, is it? No, it's not. Uh, fun thing I didn't know about him is that he was actually discovered by rock and roll legend Bo Diddley, who brought him in as a backup singer under his contract with Chess Records. Billy Stewart, along with kind of being R&B and soul throughout the 60s, also had a bit of kind of a rock and roll slash jazz type of influence during his uh, early career, which is pretty cool. With Bo Diddley, if you don't know who he is, we did an episode a while ago, probably within our first 20 or so. Is that when we were talking about blues stuff with Chess Records? No, we talked about the Bo, we songs that use the Bo Diddley beat, which is That's right. his like signature guitar riff yeah. thing that people have been using for decades. Exactly. Um, it was episode 16. That was actually a really cool thing, the Bo Diddley beat. So if you want to check that out, check out episode 16. Uh, the song Summertime comes from Billy Stewart's second album called Unbelievable. And that was released in 1965. I knew that he did this song, but I didn't know that this was a jazz standard. And it was originally written by George Gershwin for the 1935 opera Porgy and Bess. Really? Yeah. And um, it's one of the most covered songs in the history of music with over 33,000 renditions. Holy shit. Yeah. That is <laughs> pretty Jeez. impressive. Yeah. And despite being previously covered by all of the top jazz performers, like pretty much anyone you can think of. Wait, 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 wait. Is this, this is the song where it's like... It's summertime, and the living is easy. Yeah, it's that song. Oh, this is the song that I always forget the artist. Yeah. Which is probably because it's covered by 33,000 people. <laughs> so it's never the same artist whenever Pretty I Pretty much if it. you guess anybody, it might be right. Yeah. <laughs> so like I was saying, uh, despite all like the famous people who have covered this song, Stewart's version is the most commercially successful and reached the top 10 in the Hot 100 charts, I believe. So good on him for rising above 33,000 other people. Yeah, really. uh, with his rendition of this song. Sure. So with all of that information in mind, uh, let's go ahead and listen to a clip of Summertime by Billy Stewart. Summertime And the living is easy 
Once again, that was Summertime by Billy Stewart. Relatively famous song about summer. Because <laughs> we started singing When a Man Loves a Woman before for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but that was by Percy Sledge, not Billy Stewart. Yeah, so. I figured that. <laughs> Wasn't Billy Stewart more of like a country singer, I always thought? I, I think he might have been. Where he like started out in that and then he kind of moved a little bit more. Because I think there's a, there is a little bit of that in the song, I believe. Uh, Stewart made his transition to secondary music by filling in occasionally for the Rainbows, a DC area vocal group led by the future soul star Don Covey. It was also through the Rainbows that Stewart met another aspiring singer, Marvin Gaye. So he knew Marvin Gaye. That's cool. That's pretty cool. So Well, maybe when he met Marvin Gaye earlier in his career, he got like a magic spell that made him good at music. Like he sold the soul of the devil like uh, Robert Johnson. <laughs> no, I meant just Marvin Gaye so magical with his music that he spreads his musical talents to other people that he meets. Let's talk about our next song. Okay. Uh, the next song we have coming up is Under the Boardwalk by The Drifters. Now, I looked up information on this band, and it's pretty much the most complicated band in the history of music. Hmm. It's a long-lived American doo-wop and R&B vocal group that was originally formed to serve as a backing group for Clyde McFadder of Billy Ward and the Dominoes in 1953. But according to Rolling Stone magazine, the Drifters were pretty much the least stable of any vocal group ever, as they were low-paid musicians that were all hired by this one guy, George Treadwell, who owned the Drifters' name. Since their inception, there have been 60 different vocalists in the history of the oh of, of the Treadwell Drifters line, which is basically just the Drifters that the name Drifters that he owned. Mm-hmm. But along with that, there have been several splinter groups by former Drifter members that were no longer under Treadwell's management. These groups are usually identified with a possessive credit, such as quote Bill Pinkney's original Drifters or Charlie Thomas's Drifters. So basically, a lot of people left the original Drifters, but took the name with them, too, so it just it <laughs> proliferated um, in this very confusing way. Wow. But among all these different Drifters groups, there's two notable versions. The first is the Classic Drifters, which was formed by Clyde McFadder, and they were actually inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame as the Drifters or the original Drifters. The second Drifters, which is probably the more famous of the two, which featured Benny King was separately inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame as, quote, Benny King and the Drifters. Mm. Benny King being the guy who sang the song Stand By Me. Mm. In their induction, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame selected four members from the Classic Drifters, two from the Second Drifters, and one from the Post-Treadwell Drifters. Oh my god. <laughs> right? I thought the Temptations were complicated. Oh, I know! <laughs> yeah, because I was reading their stuff, I'm just like, what is, what is going on? <laughs> but with this particular song, Under the Boardwalk, this was the song for... Benny King and the Drifters. Okay. So, probably the most famous, <laughs> the most famous incarnation of them. That's insane. I never knew anything about that. That's I didn't cool. either. I didn't realize it was such like a crazy mixed up like musical grab bag of people. <laughs> but yeah, Under the Boardwalk is definitely a big famous song, and it reminds me of Boardwalk Empire. Which also sorted out during the summer, more during the fall though. Yeah, it starts what? September. Mid September. Something like that. I think early September. But yeah, it's a good show. So yeah, I guess without further ado, let's play a little clip of Under the Boardwalk by the Drifters. As you listen to this song, listen for how 
the vocals change every five seconds depending on who the lead singer is because they change so much. Yeah, good song, Under the Boardwalk. I didn't really know that song until um, we were doing research for this episode, but it has a good uh, summer theme to it. And it's one of the only songs that we're talking about today that does not have the word summer in it. The next song also does not have the word summer in it, but it is about summer. It's called Saturday in the Park by the band Chicago. This was released on their 1972 album, Chicago Vive, which was their first regular LP. Uh, Funny enough, I didn't know this, but their first three albums were double LPs, and then they also had a live box set. So this is their fifth album, and it's the first one that was just a regular length album. Kind of funny. So this song was written by the band's founding member, Robert Lamb. And according to another member, Robert Parazader, Robert Lamb was inspired to write the song on July 4th, 1971, while they were recording this album in New York City. This guy says, Robert came back to the hotel from Central Park very excited after seeing the steel drum players, singers, dancers, and jugglers. I said, man, it's time to put music to this. So he was directly seeing people out and about doing fun things and, you know, live performers and stuff in Central Park. And he was, you know, so excited by seeing all of this that he was inspired to make it into a song. And that's pretty cool. The the song is not only a summer song, but I think it's, it could also be considered like a weekend song. And um, I was reading that it's actually played a lot in um, certain baseball venues because, I mean, Saturday in the Park, I mean, that's kind of baseball has sort of a similar summer feel to it as well. So why don't we go ahead and listen to a clip of Saturday in the Park by Chicago. I love baseball. So yes, Saturday in the Park by Chicago. Now, I was saying before that uh, Robert Lamb was inspired to write this song on July 4th, 1971. Um, I think it's worth noting that I think July 4th, in, in America particularly, um, is kind of like the quintessential day of summer. Yeah, when, when you think about it. people are outside. It's almost always like a not, I've never in recent memory had a July 4th that was like a crappy day. Yeah. People are outside. People are grilling. People are at the pool. Yeah. People are being eaten by sharks in the movie Jaws. Yeah. I mean, everything everything that I think people associate with summer kind of all comes together on July 4th. Everyone, You know everyone's doing it at the same time, basically. Exactly. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And that was just a few days ago for us, as of this recording. Yeah. So, pretty cool. What did you do for uh, July 4th, Peter? Uh, just hung out with my family. We grilled and watched fireworks. And... You didn't go down to the border and protect America? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can imagine that some people do do that, but I'm not. Sadly, yeah. I, I would not put that past Americans. No, I just did the one thing that every red-blooded American was born to do. You ate a flag. No. <laughs> uh, no, I just went to the mall, walked around, and I bought an American flag tank top. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's we pretty went. much as American as you can get. Right. And then we saw some fireworks. It was good. Cool. I like fireworks. yeah. Um, dude, oh my gosh, speaking of fireworks, I, I was reading this. You know where Simi Valley is, right? Just north yeah. of LA. I guess at a fireworks show there, there was some malfunction, a bunch of fireworks. Really oh, yeah, I heard about that. a crowd of people yeah. exploded, and like 20 people were injured. 
Did anybody die from that? I hope not. No, thank God. No, Gosh. just a lot of injuries, burns, people freaked the hell out. Yeah, that's kind of But, scary. like, seriously, how do you mess that up? Like, every city in the country does it every single year. It's got to be like clockwork at this point. Maybe since they'd only do it once a year, they kind of forgot and they were rusty with their firework skills. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's too bad that that happened, though. Seriously. Yeah, I heard about that, too. It's too bad. Indeed. We've talked about a lot of songs today, yeah. uh, but we do we do have one more that we want to use to wrap up the show. The song is Summer by the band War. We've talked about them a couple of times recently. Just on a personal note, this is one of the songs that I learned to like after we saw them in concert uh, relatively recently. Oh, nice. If you want to hear an experience of a recent War concert that we went to, you can check out um, episode 51, which is a five-minute funk. It's only five minutes, but you kind of get an idea of our experience of seeing this band live, and they're still touring, so if you're interested, you should check them out. But interestingly enough about this song is that it was released as a single from the 1976 album Greatest Hits, and it was never released on a regular album. It's only been released on compilation albums, which is kind of surprising, Um, especially considering it was on their Greatest Hits. So despite not being (laughs) released previously, it's part part of their Greatest Hits, so... I don't know, maybe it's one of those songs that they do a lot in concert, but not, not released otherwise. So maybe in that, in that sense, it was one of their greatest hits. Maybe. So along with The Greatest Hits, it was also released on Anthology in 1996 and The Very Best of War in 2003. So like we've said a couple times recently, um, War is an American funk band from California that formed in 1969, and they're known for such songs as Lowrider, The Cisco Kid, and Why Can't We Be Friends. Their sound fuses a lot of elements, mainly uh, rock, funk, jazz, Latin, rhythm, and blues, and reggae. So definitely not a stereotypical band by any means. They're really uh, a mix of a whole lot of different things. And they were they were kind of one of the more politically driven bands as well in the late 60s, kind of like some of the other ones we were talking about, including Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, for sure. I like Sly and the Family Stone a little bit better than the one, though. Yeah, me too. But, they, but they're both really good. I, th- I think a lot of the, the appeal of this song, Summer, kind of like a lot of the other ones that we've been talking about today, are is that the lyrics do a really good job at evoking kind of nostalgia for Summer, whether that means that you remember Summer as a kid or it's a different part of you and you just remember back to Summer. Maybe it's winter and you're cold and you remember having fun in Summer. Kind of a sample from the lyrics. It says, young boys playing stickball in the street, fire hydrants help to beat the heat. Old man feeding pigeons in the square, nighttime finds young lovers walking there. On this nostalgic point, I don't I don't remember playing stickball in the street as a child, or using broken fire hydrants to to help cool down. But I think people kind of even if they don't experience those things, they that's kind of like an old timey image or images that people kind of re, um, think of with summer. Yeah. I don't, I don't, did you ever did you ever play stickball in the street, Peter? No, I was just saying that I have never done that. Um, also. I didn't write this down, but probably one of my favorite lyrics from this song is at the beginning where it says, how does it go? It says, riding around town with all your windows down, eight track playing all your favorite sounds. And that kind of dates the song. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but we've talked before about the use of different mediums like vinyl or eight track to play your music. And I kind of found that, that lyric interesting. Yeah. People, people obviously aren't using eight track anymore, but I wonder, I'm wondering if that they were kind of playing with a nostalgia. I was going to say, maybe that. they were trying to, rather than like make their songs seem timeless, trying to capture the essence of the time. Almost like a time capsule song. Yeah, exactly. That's you know what I'm point. saying? Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was meant to like kind of capture that feeling of being in the 70s, you know, yeah. people, people of the future. Yeah, I, I mean, I believe that they did some of this on purpose. And it does a good job at it, too, so that's kind of cool. So we will listen to a clip of Summer by War right now. You, the show. 
11 songs i think quite a bit yeah really. um definitely because we've only been covering generally the r&b soul funk range of music i'm sure there's plenty of other summer songs out there within different genres but you can see even within our relatively narrow band of music that we have plenty of music to talk about which is pretty cool no matter what you believe or where you live i think summer is kind of a unifying thing unless you live in the southern hemisphere well, that too, but <laughs> I mean, culturally, I think I mean, it's not it's not a completely unifying time, but I think a lot of people can relate to it, and a lot of people are really nostalgic for one reason or another about summer. So I think it proves to be a popular topic. Definitely. Now we probably just made all of our Southern Hemisphere listeners angry. It's not like, summer, it's winter. They're like, wait a second, our summer's in December. <laughs> yeah, I I do have some longing feelings for summer in the old sense oh like being a student and having summer or being a student yeah or being a kid just being off and I'm being able go, to do your own thing i'm gonna go back to the simpsons with that line when i think it was actually in that same episode we were talking about where bart's like oh man i'm gonna miss the whole summer and then homer's like when you become an adult like me you'll miss every summer oh yeah i forgot that <laughs> yeah that, i mean it's true but i mean i think even I mean, we're, 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 I mean, we were working people, but we, we're still finding ways to get out and do fun things. Yeah. We went, uh, to, we went to LA yesterday. Yeah. Almost died in Skid Row. <laughs> um, and then today I went to the Sawdust Festival in Laguna Beach, which is like yeah. hipster capital. Yeah, we're, but I mean, there's, these are good examples, and we're, we're getting out and yeah, exactly. doing oh, things. I, so. I'm not going to waste weekends, the little time, little free time I have. I'm not going to waste yeah. them inside of the summer. I'm personally not a fan of heat, the heat, though. Um, that's yeah. the one thing I don't like about the summer. But um, like I said, if it could be like if it could be like high 70s, low 80s, I would be a happy camper all summer. Yeah. But it's never. Oh, it's, depending on where you live, maybe maybe we're spoiled because maybe there's people who have to deal with, with way worse, lot worse weather than like, <laughs> like monsoons and summer yeah. storms and such. If I ever have a kid, I'm naming him Summer. I don't care what what gender it is. <laughs> Because my last name is Storms. Summers. <laughs> That's cool. Even if you aren't a child or a student, I think you can still appreciate the joys that summer brings. These songs definitely capture that feeling. Sometimes, like with Cases of War, you said it was a time capsule. I think they capture time periods as well. So, I mean, if you're older, a song like Summer by War is a really good way to look back at a, at a somewhat specific time period. Whereas other ones are kind of just more general and they can be used for every summer. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, if you're building a summer playlist, as some of you might be doing, these are now in your con- consideration for adding them in. To your summer playlist. Yes. If you liked our show today, and we hope you did, you can subscribe to us on iTunes if you search for Funk Radio under Podcasts. We should be the top hit there, because we're so popular. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk, and you will get um, lots of updates, not only right when the episodes come out, but also other cool links and um, fun facts that we find throughout the week between episodes. So uh, it's a lot of fun, and you can tell us how you like the show, or if you have an idea for a future episode, you can tell us 
that as well. We'll be happy to interact with you that way. <sighs> a lot of talking today. Right. Sort of a long episode, but uh, I think it's worth worth covering all the, the summer songs. For sure. Um, this has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. Thanks for listening to Funk Radio. Be sure to tune in next time for more of your favorite funk hits. We love you. Bye now. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.